You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Abundant grace and mercy and peace are yours today in Christ the Word incarnate. Amen. Today's message is a, a bit of a, an extension of last Sunday's message. Some of you weren't here, so I'll just recapitulate a little bit. We looked at a portion that happened to be one of my favorite portions of Scripture, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. But it's so helpful to us because it, it tells us, it gives us a, a way to deal with a, what the Bible calls various trials in our lives, which can be all kinds. There's 37 people here. There's 37 times 37 types of trials going on in our lives. <clears throat> but what Peter does is he, he points back to something and he points ahead to something in order for us to deal with it. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So here we have various trials, though, and he says, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. And then he talks about the tested genuineness of your faith, like the testing of gold. And I used a, a little quote from Martin Luther about that, and I'm going to read it again, because it will get us to where I'm trying to go today. <laughs> he says, all scripture compares testing to fire. Thus here, St. Peter also likens the gold that is tested by fire to the testing of faith by suffering. Fire does not impair the quality of gold, but it purifies it so that all alloy is removed. Thus, God has imposed the cross on all Christians to cleanse and purify them well in order that faith may remain pure just as the word is pure, so that one adheres to the word alone, adheres to the word alone and relies on nothing else. And that's what I want us to think about today, the word. And we have this principle, you know, scripture alone, the word alone, from Reformation and you're thinking of Reformation sermons and stuff like that, and you think, oh, yeah, I got that down, got that. But I, wanna, I want us to think about it, and maybe from some angles you haven't thought of it before. So, and, and, and I'm doing that because all four readings that we have today beautifully embody this concept of the, the word being what God uses and what is of utmost valuable to, to us. So, and Peter even uses this term, the, the living and abiding word of God. So what I want us to think about is three things. One is, just looking at these things, Peter and the word, Jesus and the word, and thirdly, 
you and the word. So I'm going to be going in a lot of territory here. God help me. Amen. So Peter and the word. So Peter is preaching on Pentecost. It wasn't that many weeks earlier. Jesus had risen from the dead. He would appeared to the disciples. They'd been waiting. The Holy Spirit came. And then crowds gather, and he preaches this killer sermon in Acts chapter 2. And he's proclaiming Christ, Christ risen from the dead. And what he, he could just say, we saw this and leave it at that. But what he doesn't. He does do that, but he also quotes Scripture to bring it home. And so this is the verse just before the verse that um, Judah read. It, it says this. Uh, David himself says, and he quotes here Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And then he expounds on that. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's law. That's law, but, but then it's linked to gospel. He says, this is the Messiah. We waited all these centuries for the Messiah. He came and... You killed him. That's what he's saying. That's that law. But he says he's the Lord. He's Christ. And he, he shares the, the good news with them. But he uses this scripture that Jesus himself had used just a, a, a few weeks earlier during Holy Week, Psalm 110, this quotation um, that David spoke. It set everybody back on their heels because it, it was clear it was referring to him. So Peter in the Word, he, he, he proclaims the good word of the gospel, but he also uh, expounds the word that's given to us. And he does the same thing. Did you catch it in our epistle reading from 1 Peter chapter 1? He says there, I think we're talking about the word here. Think, listen to this. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. And then he quotes Isaiah chapter 40. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. See, so you've been born again, he says, through the Word. See, the Holy Spirit uses the Word to engender hearts, in the, faith in the hearts of people. Born again through the, the, the living and abiding Word of God. He says, all flesh is like grass, Isaiah 40. That just means um, people come, people go, they live and die. But the living, but God's word keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. And this is the word. This word is the good news, the joyful message 
that was preached to you. See, Peter uses God's word to share the good news of, of Jesus. Peter, marvelous experience in his life, but also a man saturated with God's word. So Peter and the word, point two, Jesus and the word, Jesus and the word. So I love this incident, Rodimaeus, a seven-mile walk, and they're dejected, these two, two men, one was named Cleopas, they're weighed down, uh, but, but uh, somebody shows up and walks with them. Now, we don't know when it was, but a seven-mile walk, you've got time to talk. <laughs> and, you know, we, we just heard the reading. I'm not going to recapitulate that. Um, but but um, they're grieved and all, all this, and also puzzled over the message from the morning. They don't know what to make of that. And then, then, then Jesus said to them, I love this. Oh, foolish ones. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. The things concerning himself. And, and after Jesus is gone, they said, oh man, were not our hearts burning within us when he opened to us the scriptures? So, seven miles, let's say, Let's say six miles. You've all walked six miles, hikes and things like that. You have time to talk. So what might have Jesus pointed them to? Well, if I had an hour, I could maybe scratch a little bit of surface, or if I had um, six miles to do it in, maybe a little bit more. But think about what is he did from, from all the scriptures he did this. He might have said, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the I am voice that was speaking from the burning bush. He might have said, that rock that, that Moses struck with his rod, out of which a stream of living water came that provided uh, nourishment for the people, I was that rock. I was right there. Or that, that bronze serpent that was lifted up, that's a picture of me being lifted up. And the, those appearances, those kind of... Um, Puzzling, puzzling appearances of the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament from time to time, that was, that was me. And the whole sacrificial system of sacrifices being brought. And, and think of all those lambs brought over all these past centuries. And remember what John said about me at the beginning of my ministry, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
do you see the picture? And he says, all those prophets and priests and kings and judges in the Old Testament, I'm the ultimate prophet. I'm the ultimate priest. I'm the ultimate king. I'm the ultimate judge. And you remember that, that vivid portrait of that Isaiah shares about the, the servant being uh, bruised and crushed for, for the iniquity of others? That's what just happened. And this is just a, a little bit, but it, open, it says, it says, uh, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, there was three categories, Moses, the prophets, and the writings, all the scriptures concerning himself, about him. He has opened them up to him, up to them. And, and you might think, oh, if only I could have been like that fly in the wall or, you know, the third, a third person just kind of eavesdropping on that conversation. But you know what? You can. You can be. You've got the word. You've got the word. You open it up. And you find Jesus. That's what Jesus did. Didn't he open up the word to them? All the scriptures point to him. You've got to do some thinking about it. You've got to let Scripture interpret Scripture. You've got to use your head. But that's what Jesus did. He opened it to them. So let me give a different kind of take on Jesus and the Word. Our, our, God, our, our psalm reading today was Psalm 116. Now, we know something about some, well, first of all, about the Psalms in general. Jesus, Jesus knew the Psalms. Early on from his whole life, they were part of his heritage. Jesus prayed the Psalms. The Psalms are the prayer book of Israel. That's what they were. And, and, and they, so he, 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 he knew them, and he prayed them, he chanted them, but something more. And that is, this psalm happened to be used at a particular time in, in, the, in the worship life of Israel, and that is at Passover. And Jesus kept the Passover meal in the upper room, on what we call Monday Thursday. And there were certain psalms sung just before the meal and certain psalms sung after. After the meal, they sang Psalms 115 to 118. Well, we know this from history. And so here we have Psalm 116. Can you? So Jesus saw himself in scriptures and he's praying them. So I'm just going to pick out a few verses from this reading to think what might have been going on in Jesus' heart and mind on that as he's about to go out from that room through the Kidron Valley and up to the Garden of Gethsemane 
and all that follows after that. Just think about this. This is what he prayed and sang. We know he, he sang that, that's from Mark chapter 14. They sang a hymn and they went out, they, they chanted this hymn, this psalm, and it went out. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. What had God the Son vowed to God the Father? He had vowed that he was going to accomplish what he was given to do, to go in the world and be a perfect sacrifice and to give himself as a ransom for many. And you can just imagine, and I'm, I'm, I'm imagining this, I don't, and that's all I'm doing, but I think I'm, I'm in the ballpark. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. I'm going to do what I'm here to do. Now, he went in the garden. He wrestled with this. But if there's any other way that I can fulfill my vow, Father, let it be. Let this cup pass from me. But then another verse that, that, that we heard read, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. That's straight out of the Passover meal. One of the, the cups, the four cups that they have in the course of the Passover meal is called the cup of salvation. He lifted that up and he said, this is my blood. But what did he wrestle with in the garden? Not the cup of salvation. The cup of God's wrath. Oh, if there's any way if can, this can pass from me, let it be. Nevertheless, not my will, but your be done. He drank the cup of God's wrath. And that was beginning there in the garden. <clears throat> Another verse in that psalm, uh, imagine what's going around in his mind. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. <laughs> see, see what, was, what was said in the upper room, we know it from... from uh, from Mark chapter 14, Peter says, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. So don't just pin this on Peter. All of them said the same thing. And what does Jesus pray? In my alarm, I said, everyone's a liar. All these guys are liars. They said they're going to stand with me. And I know they are not. Other verses from what was read. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. The very thing it says. He comes back to them. He says, I'm distressed. I'm sorrowful. Can you watch with me? <clears throat> and then he, he's looking ahead to the arrest and what is sort shortly to happen after that. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. Can you see what he must have been thinking there in the upper room as, as he was singing these words? The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. But he's looking past that to the third day. And this is in the psalm also. For you, Lord, have delivered me 
from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. He's looking past. You've delivered me from death. He's, he's looking forward to that, that coming out of the tomb, being raised by the Father. So he can walk before the Lord in the land of the living, like on a road to Emmaus. See, Jesus prayed this stuff, but he also lived it. And he fulfilled it. <clears throat> He's the Word incarnate. <clears throat> Point three. You and the Word. So how do we approach the Bible? What attitude do we bring to it? It's important to remember, in, in the end, there's only uh, two ways to read the Bible. Basically, is, is it basically about me or is it basically about Jesus? In other words, is it basically about what I must do or is it basically about what God has done? See, often people read and they'll say to me, I don't get anything out of it. Well, I understand that. It, it's tough going. A lot. I mean, we're dealing with ancient documents. The earliest is 2,000 years old, let alone going back to Moses. Tough going. But you see, it's God's living word for us. It's a story of Akim. It, 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 it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a book of virtues, you know, or a how-to manual for successful living. I mean, there's all that kind of stuff is in there. But that's not exactly, that's ultimately what it's about. It's not a, a source for inspirational quotations that we can make on plaques and put on the wall. Although I've got those also. But it's not, that's not the, ultimately what it's about. Because in it, we find that we are worse creatures than we can ever imagine that there's more corruption in us. We have wandered so, so far from God's plan, we can't imagine it. We are so filled with self and pride that we are a, a pollution on feet. And yet, we are loved to a degree that we cannot imagine in our wildest dreams. See, it's the story of how God saves us. It's a story of costly love. So going back to where I started, Martin Luther said, in various trials, it's a work of the cross in us. And it comes in order that faith may remain pure just as the word is so that one adheres to the word alone and relies on nothing else. So what do we need to do? We need to, we need to fill, fill ourselves, fill ourselves with God's word. 
fill ourselves with God's word. Why? Fill it ourselves until with the word until our hearts burn within us with a love for Jesus, who is the heart and core of Scripture. And that's what did they say? They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures? So what's, what's lacking in Christians so much, to such a degree, is that our, our hearts are not burning within us. There's often a coldness or a coolness or a, a lukewarmness. So it's no surprise that we are overwhelmed by the various trials that come our way. We need to remember all all the word is about Jesus, because it's Jesus we need in various trials. It's Jesus who fills the word. It's Jesus who fulfills the promises in the word. It's Jesus who suffered the ultimate trials. It's Jesus who died in your place. It's Jesus who conquered death that you need not fear death. It's Jesus who wants you to be with him forever. The living and abiding word of God is the only place where we learn that. <clears throat> Let us pray. Oh, Father, We're asking that our hearts would burn within us, that we'd have a good kind of heartburn, that our hearts would burn with love for Jesus. Oh, make us bloodhounds of your word, exploring it, seeking to find Jesus in fresh ways. For it's Jesus that we need in our desperate situations and daily life. We thank you that your spirit makes this possible. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, make us students of your word. For we pray in the name of and for the sake of Jesus Christ, the word incarnate. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and we invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmaus.org. P-A-S-C-O dot org.